You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. My before the after the show discussion was about microphones. And the only reason it is because of that is I was looking at the microphone while I was waiting to say some stuff. Right. <clears throat> but what I just learned is the microphone was invented in 1877 by a German man. And today, in 2014, the microphone has not really changed that much since that original... It's a condenser microphone, the one we're using. And today... And that was the one that was originally invented. Only thing that's really changed is technologies like wireless microphones and the quality of the components used to make the voice sound better. But the thing itself... The, the, the actual invention is the same thing all these years later. So that is microphone informational uh, podcast for the week. So you think that's uninteresting? No, so it's you want to fabricate these before they have to show discussions because you think the things you say aren't interesting. I disagree. I if um, I think of something like that, I always have to have a look, and then I'm always like, because oh, the spark the conversation was that the vibrate. our microphone is uh, encased in a shock mount, which is like basically some pieces of elastic. It's a posh version of pieces of elastic. And metal that hold the microphone to the stand. So then if you bump the microphone, it wobbles in the mount rather than just the full vibration. Let me give you a real life example of this. I make a cup of tea at my office in the break room area. Break area. It's a piece of crappy area. It's got a fridge and a coffee maker and microwave. Make my cup of tea. Now where I, my office is behind a secure area, a hundred yards away. It's quite long. Well, no, 50 yards away. I have to carry my tea down there. I also have to have the cordless phone in my hand. Often I have a piece of paper and a pen. In case the phone rings, I have to answer it. So, there have been times where I tuck my cup of tea here, hold it with my arm where? against me. Like, hold my This is not cup, visual. <laughs> my cup of tea kind of <laughs> in the crux of my arm and hold it cru- like closed up next to me because I have other things in my other arm and I need my hand free because I need my fingerprints and my badge. So, I carry it. Like you would hold a baby or something. What's this got to do with the microphone? Listen to me. All right, go on. For God's sake. Fuck. It sounds like it's totally different. No, it's not totally different at all. So me carrying that, it sploshes everywhere because it's right up against my body and my body is vibrating, vibrating, and it sloshes everywhere. So I've learned I have to carry it out, out away from me in my arm because as I'm walking then, my arm does the same thing. It absorbs movement. Are you saying that you're on the phone? You're actually talking on the phone? No, the phone has nothing to do with it except I have to carry multiple things. So the way I carry my coffee cup wasn't always just in my hand like a coffee cup. I had to have another alternate way of getting it. To oh, I office. thought you meant you're on the phone, so the microphone inside the phone was Mic- picking There's nothing up the- to do with microphones. Okay. Nothing to do with the phone. It's to do with carrying my cup of coffee. I, I don't which, see how it correlates, but yes. Let me start over. You have if a sh- carry, no, don't carry it. Don't start on. Don't cl- start If I again, carry it close no. to my body, don't need, all up don't, close to no, my body. No. Listen to me. If I carry it up close to my body, right? Close to me, then my body shakes it all over the place. If I carry it out, so in my you're hand, saying you are. A if shock I carry mark. it out in my hand, then my arm is the shock absorber, and it doesn't slosh around. Okay, Good God, so you're overcomplicated. The actual shock mount on the microphone, though, is not like that. It's it is a piece of elastic. 
It is like that. Metal. It is like my arm. It's holding the thing away. Like, if we'd sit that directly on this te- desk and this desk vibrated, it's going to shake it. But it's actually being cushioned, like, by my arm. And as you, I'm shaking the microphone now. You, the podcast listener, can't really hear that much because... If you can, let him know. <laughs> it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this is after the show number 314. This is the weekly podcast where we review a movie. This week's movie on Not Saturday... microphones. This week's movie on Saturday, February the 15th, is Dallas Buyers Club. It's a 2013 movie released on Blu-ray on the 4th of February, so you can pick it up now. It's rated R. It's from our friends at Universal. There is no tagline, but this movie is nominated for six Oscars, so I wanted to mention that. Sid Talk, what's the synopsis for the movie Dallas Buyers Club? It appears to be, even though it's not announced to me as such, the telling of what would be a true life story about a dude... In the 80s, who had AIDS, HIV and AIDS. And it was quite the rebel kind of guy, drunk and drug de- drug-taken kind of guy. But somewhere along the way, he became interested in the fact that the drugs they give you in the hospital, the AZT, that became a big thing, was actually not helping anyone. And they were kind of using AIDS patients as guinea pigs. So he went to Mexico, found a different kind of a thing, and advocated basically for alternate ways of people to maybe not get rid of the virus, but stay alive. Now, that's a real life story, and they've condensed it into this. Yeah, and I think it should win also win awards for world's smallest text on the screen when you've got a giant, <laughs> whenever yeah. you're showing a date. Yep, yep. Did you notice that? I was like, holy shit, I can barely read that date. We're looking at this on a 105 inch screen. Yeah, imagine smaller. This. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Look out for that. And if you're watching it on a 14-inch television, good luck. Yeah, really. Or your phone. So Don't Dallas, watch it on your phone. Yeah, who, who has a 14-inch television anyway? Dallas Buyers Club. So um, did you have any expectations for this? What None. did you think of this? I have no idea what it was at all. No clue at all. all In right, fact, so. until you told me that was my, Matthew McConaughey, I didn't even know that was him on the cover. So, so I had zero expectations. It, what is, you can go first. What's your opinion of this movie? I can't. You can't say it's entertaining fully. I mean, it is because they put in some character in this guy who sounds like he was quite the character. But it's so compelling to me, and it's like as soon as it, I got to as soon as I got to the point of what it was going to be about, I was like, hmm. Like you, st- I start thinking about huge corporations and how we all are lab rats, which they kind of refer to in the movie. You know, they kind of make that point. And then they show these people with AIDS all being tested on and stuff. Not tested on, but giving test drugs and whatnot. And then that this guy, who is like a rodeo guy, totally a fucker. Like, he just is a womanizer. He lives in a trailer park. And not like... He's is racist. Kind of tra- yeah, he's, uh, yeah, homophobic. homophobic. He's, he's the kind of trailer park that gives trailer park trash its definition. And I'm not saying everyone who lives in a trailer is that, but he was. What you think? And small town. And then that this guy, who's clever, clearly, started figuring out this stuff. And sort of, as I'm watching it, I'm thinking of, oh, it's another movie I should have recommended, but Aaron Brockovich, you know, a woman who's got nothing to do with anything scientific at all, and yet, that case that she worked on with the water and whatnot, I just started thinking that. And then it's delivered in such a way that really opened my eyes to 
I mean, we lived in the 80s, but we were young. You know, we were like teenagers in their like 20s and the 90s and whatnot. So hearing about AIDS all the time was one thing. Not experiencing it myself or anybody that I know. It was just always in the news and it became the topic of movies and whatnot. It still is a little bit, no. A little bit, but it's not the same, is it? No. Because I remember it was it, saturated I, you, everywhere you heard. Where I got the information from it was watching MTV in the 80s. Yep, MTV, and they would always say. be like... Watch out for AIDS. Uh, here's a contraception commercial. And, uh, and raising money yeah, and helping people stuff. and whatnot. So this kind of reflects back on the times and the grassroots level of just people, regardless of what kind of lifestyle they live. I don't give a shit that people are prejudiced and say like, oh, well, if you live that way, you deserve whatever you get. It's a horrible concept to, or horrible view of things. But that there were just people living their life. It'd be like me going to the doctor and him saying, well, you've got pneumonia, so let's do this and you'll get over it. Well, these people were just living their lives, they ha- didn't feel well, go to the doctor. And millions of people find out they have this virus that killed them. And this sort of shines a light on the desperation. Like, that people are willing to do anything. Because AIDS isn't like cancer. Like, if I get cancer right now, you know, now at this day and age... Most likely, if I get it early enough, I, I'm already culturalized to understand that I can probably get rid of it. It depends on what it is, but very likely. AIDS, if you say it to somebody, even now, that's not what enters your mind. Your enters your mind is, well, that's sad and it's probably going to kill you. And in the 80s, it was automatic. So imagine the death, I mean, it just seemed, this really pointed out, like, all the people that needed these drugs that they couldn't get and... Insurance wouldn't pay for anything. And and the way this movie set up is like he gets told he's got AIDS and says, oh, they say, you've got 30 days to live. And then it's his kind of kickstart to inside to say, no. Kind of, but not even that, is it? But like, I mean, it keeps telling you how many days and the way the In movie's the beginning, yeah. set up. Well, even at the very end, it tells you how many days. A lot of days. <laughs> but uh, it's this, it gives him this kickstart to say, um, you know. I've got to do something about it. But it this. didn't really. It's just that that's the kind of person he was. He was. He wouldn't have been spurned on, according to the movie, to make these to do this thing, if he hadn't been rejected by his life. His life rejected him. His hillbilly friends, the losers at work who couldn't cope with it, all a bunch of assholes. Everybody rejects him. He gets evicted. All that stuff. So therefore, his life dumps him out. Now, if none of that had happened, if all of his friends had just stayed rallied around him and he'd kept fucking girls and doing coke and drinking booze and lived out his 30 days, he w- I don't think not- any of that would have happened. I don't think he would have been motivated. He was pretty irresponsible at the beginning. <laughs> the beginning? Yeah. All the way through, he's got a gun laying on his desk and a bottle of whiskey. And he's he's got a disease that he's like... Um, an interesting scene, I thought, is when they're telling him he's got AIDS and they've both got masks on. Mm-hmm. Which is like... Obviously, you can't catch AIDS through the air. But they didn't know yet. But they didn't know yeah. yet. And it seems very... You're telling somebody they, they got this disease that they possibly then could Then again, from. I guess if you're telling them that even now, you don't know if that person's going to emotionally like lose it, spit in your face, or, or, or try to hurt themselves and bleed. I mean, that's a reality. But yeah, it was kind of like an it intimidating. It personal too. Like, yeah. You know, you're telling somebody they're possibly going to die and... They did it delicately. Well, yeah, if you notice, that was the only time they 
um, wore the masks no, while talking to her. three times. Like, when, he went in, when, she went in, when he went into her office and stuff, she was just normal. Like She it. didn't, but she did the other times, and the other doctor always did until the very last time. So Nowadays, thought, I'm assuming there is none of that. I don't know about that. We can't get it from that No, way. some doctors wear that face mask thingy, because if you, you could still get it from blood or body fluids. No, I'm talking about, if you go to the doctor's office and sit in the chair just to mm-hmm. talk to him, and he's sat talking to you. He's not going to sit there with a mask on until you've got AIDS. I don't know. I guess it depends or cancer or on whatever. how afraid they are of what you've got. I don't think I've ever seen it. That's all I'm saying. I don't think I've ever seen... I don't think I've been to a doctor and he's wearing the mask by default. Just because he's like, oh, oh shit, I everybody have, who comes I in here is good. So I, everyone around me had masks and gloves I remember on. going into the doctors with chicken pox. I didn't know I had chicken pox, <laughs> but I felt terrible and there was all these blotches all over me. I went in the doctors with chicken pox. She... The woman on the desk said, okay, I'll see you in a bit. And then she came out. I had to, you know, you have to fill in a form to say what your symptoms were and stuff. And she came over to me and said, have you got this, this and this? And I said, yeah. And she said, you need to get out of here. Oh, well, yeah. Like, why? Why? And she's like, well, it's chicken pox. You've got chicken pox. It's quite obvious. And the, all these people could get it. There's pregnant ladies. There's yeah, all, yeah. And I'm like, oh, I, and she was like, kind of. Weren't you a little boy? No, I, I was like 17 year old. Right. I didn't know what it was. I just thought I had a rash and I felt sick. Oh. But um, Aww. yeah. But they were kind of rude. It was. I was almost like, "Are you an idiot?" <laughs> and I was like, "Oh no, I'm well, going." Well, to be fair, if you're covered with the red splotches and you feel bad. But I went to the doctor to find out what sure. it was. Like there was no internet then. I did, couldn't look it up. Oh, and you weren't okay. Now this is me being. I'm not normally compassionate or sympathetic to people, but in this instance, because you weren't raised in like a family. I also lived on my own. Exactly. You weren't raised around... I had three older siblings and lots of cousins and family around. You just learned things. You just learned chicken boxes. I never had it. Exactly. I don't know anybody who'd had it. Uh, it was... Wow. So I'm sat in my flat where I lived and I'm like, I feel terrible. I've been sick. I've got these spots. I'll, I have to go to the doctor. Oh. Went to the doctor and it was like... Ah. So... And that was chicken pots, which is nothing. This no. Guy, you know, it must feel weird when you've... Been being told you're going to die, and or you've got something that's like other people desperately. And it don't seems want very impersonal when somebody's got this mask and all. And I, I know it just seems so. Um, yeah, I like the way this movie was portrayed. I liked the fact that they didn't sugarcoat this guy. Mm-mm. He's no patron saint of no. AIDS or anything. He's this asshole, really horrible. In fact, the first, <laughs> you know. 20 minutes of this movie, I was like... I'm never going to like this guy. I cannot like... You know, I'm... We've been watching True Detective recently, and I'm growing to like Matthew McConaughey way more than I ever have. And I'm really excited to see him in something else. And I'm like, I can't like him in this. Because <laughs> I can't like this guy. I just can't like him. He's horrendous. Like, he's a nightmare, like, walking around. Yep. But then he redeems himself in a way, but then this, the asshole part of him is never gone. Even to the very last frame, I don't believe. It's always there. He doesn't really change. He changes slightly. The things that he, matter. He, he, yeah, like people around him, like the Jared Leto character, mm-hmm. he accepts him and sticks up for him at one point. And we don't know the real person's, maybe in the real diary that Matthew McConaughey said, McConaughey said he read, but... That's not Matthew, it's just McConaughey. Oh, just McConaughey, right. Um, <laughs> it's like an American History X, right? Yeah. Horrible, horrible racist prick 
horrible murdering Ed yep. Norton, murderous fucker, goes to prison, meets somebody who just lives the life of the person that he despises, and to get to know the person, all that goes away. So I don't know the real process that the real guy went through, but it was just obvious that, you know, we're, we're kind of in this together, because the man that he met was a transsexual, transgender, transgender. Uh, who had AIDS, and, you know... It's just another one of those. and But the thing is, that didn't become the overall thing of the, of the story, which I was glad. That wasn't the focus. It was just sort of there. The overall focus to me was that he never stopped being, other than a little bit more compassionate and a little less greedy, but, but not still, that much greedy. But still, the money was in... He was unappealing. Still, yeah. He's unappealing. Yeah, he really is. But... In the end? But then he's ballsy because he sticks up to the government and the... Did we look up what he actually accomplished? Yeah, I did look it up on Wikipedia. What was it? Pretty much what the movie is. And he won the court... What it says in the movie about winning the right for him personally to take the drug, like, legally. But only him. Like, other people had to individually go and... um, if you had age, you would have to individually go and win that but he case. But in the movie, he didn't win. He was told that's not how it works. But for himself. Like, he could take it. Right. He didn't win overall for anybody to take that drug, but he won. Like, it's legal for him to have it. Other people could go and do that same procedure and... And if anybody doesn't know, there was a thing in the 80s that Kate started happening. They called it the cocktail. And that was what he was a part of, was this movement where all kinds of herbal doctors and, you know, homeopathic doctors and medical doctors putting together this combination of proteins and, yeah, this like weird proteins and vitamins and herbs and things. And the whole idea was not to like cure you. But to make it so that you were healthier throughout, well, you know. <laughs> is that It's actually summed up in one of the scenes from the movie where he signs himself out of the hospital. He's walking down the corridor and he says, and she says, no, stay, you have to stay. Like, we can keep you comfortable. And he, he was like, yeah, don't know if that's comfortable to be like hooked up to your morphine yeah. and shit and, you know, fade away just slowly. Like, I would rather go and figure it out for myself. Well, I'm going to dab my boots on, is what he said. Yeah, but I mean, that is, <laughs> his idea was to go and find, you know, is there another way? And it shows you him, you know, in the days of no internet, researching in the library, all these... Microfish. Microfish, yeah. Um, so it was a different time, and it was harder to find information, but he did. So, I can't say I admire him in a way, the guy, the way he's portrayed, because... Essentially, is a complete knobhead who's, you know, after making... You know, there's some things in the movie which I don't know are true or not. There's one where he stands on the top of the stairs and he tells people who haven't got enough money to buy the stuff to piss off, basically. He says, if you've not got your $400, don't even bother lining up. That's how much it is to get your drugs. And then towards the end, he tells one of his workers, to just give some people some drugs for nothing. Right? Right. I don't know if that's true. That's why I'm saying it appeared that he lost a little bit of that. It appears near the end he's turning into like a... But not totally. So it's kind of a hard... We don't know. You don't know. Yeah. And I don't want to spoil the whole movie, but there's a sad (laughs) event that happens that seems to change him again. Like... He's a man who, and we all 
maybe you don't, but most of us know somebody who lives fully like a raw nerve through life. Like a raw nerve. There is no thinking, except that he's clever. He's clever. He, he kids, He's an electrician, so he's obviously a professional whatever. And he's clever enough to do this research in the middle of being who he is. The raw nerve of who he is is, I want to stay drunk. I want to stay wasted. I want to fuck yeah, every moment I cocaine. see. Yeah. And I think that it kind of reminds you that everybody who makes a change in the world isn't Gandhi. Yeah, they're not all saints. That's how I... Precisely. Because he's literally... And that leads back to... I even thought of this when we were watching it was Brand's thing that we watched this week. Russell Brand. Russell Brand. Is that he... He did a concert called... Messiah Complex. Right. Which is, you know, him. (laughs) I think he's referring to himself. (laughs) But that we admire people and we don't always question why and that some people are flawed and you have to accept the good that they do. Even though, like, Gandhi is willing to let his wife, which yeah. you don't know. Yeah, I looked that up and it is all yeah, very much true. Yeah, his wife yeah. got sick and because of their religious thing, he, or because of whatever it was, he yeah. refused to let her get treated. She died. He got the same thing later and, and accepted the, the treatment. Yeah. So then you're like, what an asshole. But you can't say Gandhi's an asshole. But, but then you think when that, you look under when you the look, surface. And that's what, yeah, that's what he's saying. But in the end, the good a person does, it can't erase the being an asshole. But there's something that it can take away is that, you know... I think how um, Jennifer Garner's character, see, she embodies that because she can see he's a complete asshole, like, as a person. Because when he comes in and he's, like, verbally being a dick. And she knows that all the time. But, like, you know the time when she has dinner with him? Mm-hmm. She can see through his bullshit because he's, like, so charming and... Yeah. She can see through Questionably. it. <laughs> yeah, but you know all that yeah. cowboy charm that he's putting on at that dinner. And you can see how she's looking at him like, I, you're just a complete cock. Yep. But I agree with what you're doing. Like, like the thing you're doing, I agree with. You as a person, maybe not so much. Like, And I like that. It really comes across, you know. So we and might not always like the packaging, but the what's inside sometimes right. is True. It's a good lesson to learn in life. So That's my advice for the day. So um, let's move on to the cast because I want to talk about the acting in this movie and you can't really talk about it until you mention the cast. So McConaughey, as he likes to be called, and, <laughs> and why I'm referring to that is in one of the extras. And it's <laughs> the worst extra you've ever seen on the Blu-ray. It's like the look inside Dallas Buyers Club. He comes on the screen and he goes, McConaughey here. Yeah, McConaughey here. <laughs> yeah, it's really... I was like, eh, really? So... Um, he plays Ron Woodruff. I'm becoming a super fan of the guy. <laughs> and True Detective is what kicked it all off. And that's a new show on HBO. We've talked about it in the last few weeks. And the last episode of True Detective was amazing. It was the you know the one you know yep. the one we just watched. Yep. The guy is like committed. Know. Yeah, he's committed. And I've never seen that from him before. I've watched him in lots of movies. I liked him in Contact. Um. Reign of Fire, kind of. There's movies I've liked him in, but I've never seen him. Like, for some reason, just recently, he has changed his vibe completely. Like, he's, he's decided... Or is it? We just don't follow him, so we don't know what I mean, I've watched, I've seen a lot of his movies, and... You know, he, he, there was a point where he was like Mr. Romantic Comedy Guy. It was the commercial movies, you know, the big love movies and stuff. But this and True Detective, 
the only two I've seen him in recently. It's a different vibe from him. It's almost not like Matthew McConaughey. Not necessarily. Because someone early in their career might have to do, you know, get in, do yeah, these and things. And that's, that's how I feel. Like yeah. Maybe he's made money and now he's making more creative choices than money But other people like Robert De Niro go the other way. Yeah. They start out with movies the, that are like hardcore, And then go into the dark. paycheck stuff later. Like the fuckers and that. I'm not sure if that's just paycheck. Because it's fun. It's a good It fun. is, but it's not... It's not shit. So groundbreaking or any of that stuff. It's not... No, but it's not bad. Whereas... Well, it is actually bad. That third Fuckers movie. I've never seen it. I watched it on HBO. It's fucking horrible. <laughs> it's fucking horrible. Uh. Um, and I would not... It was... You, it was for money, right? It's like, oh, those, those were popular. Let's make another one of those. But, you know, he's making more creative choices here. And I like it. I want to see him in more serious roles. And in this role, he's lost a lot of weight. Um, and I, I assume he filmed this and True Detective like in the same year because it, it kind of looks the same kind of build and everything. He's well, he gained weight for True Detective, and in True Detective, in True Detective, he's both, isn't he? Because it's like these fifteen, this fifteen-year thing. True. And you see him differently on both sides of it. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I think he's fantastic in this movie. He really portrayed... I don't know what that guy's like. No, but... if but... he was an asshole, and also a... I was going to say compassionate, but there's very... There's only flashes of compassion in this character. Just occasionally. But if he was an asshole, who was driven singularly, like, tunnel vision to this one thing, he captured it just right. I think it wasn't just compassion... I don't think... He... He didn't show super open compassion for Not individuals much. other than his friend who became his friend. And I think he liked the doctor and understood her position. But more than that, it was his hatred of the idea that this big corporation and the Federal Food and Drug Administration are in like in each other's pockets, basically, to use people who he never would have given a shit about before. This whole group of people. Right. He would have called them the F word and said, screw yes, them. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, but to see, and I think that was seemed to me, from the way they portrayed it, that was another part of his motivation was, who's the IRS and you to try to crush what I'm doing without any, you're not listening to what I'm saying. People are getting better. People are not not curing the disease. People just feeling better. Yeah, exactly. Than they would but if you're they were killing up. them by using them for these drug trials and whatnot. So I think that seemed like another one of his motivations, sort of an anti-government interference kind of a guy, maybe. And McConaughey's up for best actor for that role, so we'll see. Um Jared Jared Leto plays Rayon. Um and he's also up for co-star. Amazing. He did an amazing yeah. job. And you know what? I thought about it while I was watching it. And, you know, we've seen him before. Requiem for a Dream. Mm-hmm. Is it, I like him. And he's also the lead singer of, um, is it 60 Seconds to Mars? There are, he's, I it, Primarily, this guy is the lead singer of a rock band. Um, and in this movie, he plays a transgender dude. Who has AIDS. Who has AIDS. So he's lost a lot of weight for this role again. But what I was really impressed by was, I forgot it was Jared Leto completely. Like I forgot it was. McConaughey. I forgot it was a man. I forgot it was. It was just that character. The character. Oh was, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I for, I forgot all about that. It was, and and you know, it's pretty tragic. The character. The character's on a tragic path. 
and I think he pulled it off really well. Apparently, what I was just reading in the trivia on IMDb was uh, he just stayed in that character. That's what he said. The only time that he and Matthew McConaughey knew each other, ever, is during there. As characters. They did not meet each other as Leto and McConaughey. And he said on the on the set of this movie, he would go across to the market, across the road, full transgender, you know, in the, exactly as the... And speak that way and just completely live that life. Like, because he wanted to... He didn't want transgender people to get a shitty actor who didn't take it seriously enough. And I think he's fantastic in it. It's... um. I totally forgot he was that guy. And that guy is not hard to forget who he is. Like, he's very I couldn't dis- pinpoint who he was, but I was like, I think I know this guy, but I didn't know for sure. So, uh, a great performance. Um, Jennifer Garner plays Eve. Um, really good. Again, yeah. And I'm not a Jennifer Garner fan, really. Yeah, she was... There are moments when she genuinely... She was mostly... Yeah, she I didn't I think he makes break. her better. And right. I'm not saying that to be rude to her. I'm saying that I think the moments with him... Because she's not going to be an actress who goes to the set and lives her life as that character. She's no. just not. She's not method, and these guys both are, or whatever they want to call it nowadays. She's not. So she comes to the thing, she's probably got her kid over here, and she's probably chit-chatting. And five minutes later, they say, action, and she turns into her character. Whereas Matthew McConaughey is walking around as this guy all the time. And what I liked about the character she plays Eve, uh, she's a doctor, is... She's not got much of a sense of humour. She's quite a serious type of woman, right? It appears so. And she doesn't really ever break it. Like, it, it, like break that... She keeps that throughout the entire movie. She smiles a couple of times at some funny things he says. But she generally is all... She's business, isn't she? She's And she's also not very opinionated. She will not say her opinion much. No. She won't stand she, up well, for anything. But she does it quietly. She will... Or noisily at one point. Only once, though. Yeah. Well, twice. I mean, she will stand up for herself. Barely. She even stood there quietly whenever he came in to, and, like, was uh, uh, confronting that other doctor. She just stood there, like... But then, quietly, later, when she's kind of coming around to this whole idea... She sneakily puts her little pamphlet. She won't say it to anybody, but she lays the pamphlets around. You know, she's not a bold. But then when she leaves the office or that board meeting, yeah. But it's like she builds up. She's like passive aggressive, I think. And uh, there are a lot of other actors in this movie. Um, some, um, a lot of like small support, supporting roles, you know, his friends at the beginning. Steve Z- Zane plays the cop who tries yeah. to help him out. Tries. Um, yeah. And um, I put down Dennis O'Hare, who played Dr. Savard, and I was like, all the way through the movie, I was <laughs> like, who the hell is he? Who the hell is he? I've seen him in something. In fact, I was doing this in my mind. Is he from True Blood? Is he from <laughs> Game of Thrones? And I went through all those, and I was like, nope, he's not from any of those. He must be from some movie. And so he's from True Blood. He's, he's the, the king of the vampires. King of the vampires guy, yeah. So um, this is directed by Jean-Marc Vallée. And he hasn't actually directed any movie that we know of. He's a Canadian uh, director. Hmm. I looked down his list of movies. They're mostly Canadian films in French. This is his first major Hollywood movie. Um, so that's a pretty good start. Was it major or did it just get picked up by a major distributor? Because it's got all those sort of independent producing production companies. Yeah, well, I mean, you know a high-profile I mean? movie then, let me say. At the end, though. So maybe yeah. it was sort of... Because it seemed to me like a lower... You know, one of those. Yeah. So, I liked his directing style. And you know what it reminds me of? A bit. Uh, Darren Aronofsky's stuff. Like a little the, bit. Like The Wrestler. 
has a couple moments of like it's real dark. I, I mean, it feels dark. Like it, it feels Sad. real, like real life, not like a. Yep. Like the wrestler when it follows... Like, there is a scene near the beginning, actually, where the camera is following Matthew McConaughey from really close behind, and that's what reminded me of the wrestler. Wrestler's so good, isn't it? Yeah, because it... And Black Swan, even. it's It feels very... An elephant. You're in the room... Well, elephant's not him, but... Oh, is it not? No, uh, that's Lars von Trier. Oh, you're right. But you feel like you're in... <laughs> you feel like you're just following some people around and all this grim stuff's going on. So, I like the direction. Now... This Blu-ray has some bonus features. <laughs> and I said to you, let me get a Blu-ray. Get a magnifying glass if you want to see these freaking... If it's extras. Fast and the Furious uh, 7, for instance. <laughs> fast 6, Fast 7. On the back it'll say, over seven hours of extras. And, and we'll watch them and it'll be like seven of hours of, of them, us, you know, them telling us how they crash cars and showing us the stunts. And then when it's like a true thing in fact it happened the other week with a movie we watched and we were like oh the, there must be something about the true story and then there's nothing and on this there is nothing either like there's no commentary there's some deleted scenes and there's a look inside Dallas Buyers Club and let me tell you what the look inside <laughs> Dallas Buyers Club is it's they play the trailer and as they're playing the trailer with all the voiceovers and the music and everything occasionally one of a member of the cast pops up and says something about what you've just seen like, it's literally... There's no information at all. Nope. But you do get to see McConaughey refer to himself as McConaughey. Hey, McConaughey here. <laughs> so funny. I, I don't know why I think that's funny. It just is like he... I don't know. It's like, it's kind of like talking in third person. Yep. It's just a bit weird. So, um, yeah, if you're looking for extras, there are a couple of deleted scenes. Nothing on there is exciting or... No. Unfortunately. I would have liked a commentary. I would have liked... Some footage of the real guy, a picture of the real guy. Or a little anything. documentary about Even the real guy. Even at the end of the Marky Mark one, they showed pictures. And the actual end of the True, real movie really. showed real pictures of the real people. Pain and gain. Correct. <laughs> that wasn't Marky Mark. <laughs> <laughs> it was. When I'm 80 years old, I'm still going to be calling him Marky Mark. That's just the way it is. So in conclusion, it's obvious why this is nominated for the performances Clearly. for the Oscars. Um and if you're if you like watching really good, high quality acting, that you know these people are not playing. <laughs> they are. Some, they are. They but are. This is, they're taking it very seriously. Um, so yeah, if you want to see some top notch acting, this is the movie for you. Um, recommended. I highly recommend it, and I think that it can't. It doesn't resolve anything anymore because it is what it is. Done in, like a, done a good deal. movie does, though. It tells you... It told me something I didn't know. Yep. Which I really... And then it made me go and look at the real story. Like Whistleblower, you know, where yeah. you're like, really? That shit's going on? Like, you just, no, you know. It may not even draw me to action. Like, that's not what we're talking about. But it's it might like draw you, somebody or it might... It just enlightens awareness. you a little bit. As long as you don't take the movie for fact, but you take the story and then go look it up and be like... Right, so one person, whatever his resources or whatever his motivation was, can do something in, in this some world. way. Yeah, in some way. So um, thanks to Universal for the Blu-ray. Um, I want to say that there's some contests available on the site. There's quite a few of them. But my latest contest, if you want to go and enter, is for the movie Diana, which is about Princess Diana. You can win a copy on DVD. Go to com, click on the contest page, and you'll see all the contests you can enter. 
<clears throat> game suggestion. A game suggestion is. What does game suggest? What? Oh, okay. Yeah, because we don't have a game. We usually play a game at this time in the podcast. Some kind of yeah movie related game. That's really fun. But we it's ran really out. <laughs> we ran out. We kind of ran its cause with the game that we had because it's not that fun. But it's an idea. <laughs> we don't want to eliminate it fully. And this will take some research on my part, so I, I don't expect you to do it. But you know how the other day I told you that I was listening to something where the woman call, or the dude mistook uh, Samuel L. Jackson oh, for yeah. Lawrence Fishburne. Now this was an official E Hollywood interview right on TV, asking Lawrence Fishburne. A qu- I mean, asking <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson a question. It. Well, I have them in my <laughs> mind. I have them both in my mind. But I'm not a professional entertainment reporter. And he actually asked Samuel L. Jackson a question about something. And Samuel L. Jackson's like, I wasn't in that. And he's like, oh, yeah, but you... Oh, man. And then Samuel L. Jackson says, that was Lawrence Fishburne, man. I mean, it was just so... But there are times that you confuse a person for another person. Always. Or like the Bill Pullum and... um, What's that other guy's name? We always get a mix-up. Jeff Daniels. You know, there's one of those. Like, oh, it's that guy. No, it's that other guy. Uh, I'm overcomplicating it. But to find some people or movies and say who was in that when you think you know who was in it, but maybe not. Is it too complicated? Yeah, it's really hard Yeah. to put together that one. Yeah. Unfortunately. I mean, it's a good game. It's a good idea, but it's very difficult. <laughs> I mean- it requires lots of research <laughs> and development. Right. We'll, we'll table that then for now. All right. So next week's we'll mo- put a pin in that one. <laughs> next week's movie review is another Oscar-nominated movie, Gravity, and we'll be watching that next week. And telling do you have you any what- ideas for games? Or are you going to eliminate it? I don't have any ideas yet. When I do, it will be on that. No, on those. I mean, are you going to just eliminate it? Um, no, no, I'll probably come up with something. Mm. Good luck. So movie recommendations this week. I am going with Philadelphia, which is the other movie about AIDS, which also... The other movie. I mean, there are movies about AIDS, but the other movie that was a high-profile movie about AIDS that also doesn't paint that guy as a saint. Really? Well, watch it. He's he's also... Tom Hanks? Yeah. That doesn't come off as a jerk or anything. It doesn't come across as a jerk, but it, it is quite true to, like, what that guy is. Yeah? But he wasn't a jerk or anything. Not like in this one. No, but he also wasn't a saint. They they showed him as a flawed character, not as a, oh, he's this guy and he's the patron saint of AIDS and everybody will love him. I have to watch it again because there was nothing wrong with him, to my recollection. Oh, there was. And, secondly, uh, Requiem for a Dream, which Jared Leto stars in. It's about drugs. And it is very dark and disturbing. And it's also Darren Aronofsky. Um, I recommend it highly. It is gruesome. It is... I need to see that again, too. It is fucked up. You will not <laughs> feel You will not feel good after you've watched it. You will feel very depressed. But, recommend it. And you'll either run away from all kinds of drugs, screaming and swearing you'll never take them again, or you'll be like, ooh, that looks interesting. And you'll go and want to do some drugs. The interesting... I can't see that many people thinking that. <laughs> Some people live darkness, okay? And mine are Joe and the Volcano because the idea... This is an old Tom Hanks movie. Also Tom Hanks movie. The idea that he's told, you know, he's got a brain thing and he's going to die. And then it it motivates him in a comical... It's a humorous type of a movie. um, To do, like, this big adventure thing that 
he would never have done otherwise because he lives like a boring, you know, very regimented, very, very, very boring life. So the thought of, you know, having a terminal thing spurs him on to do something with his life. And in the end, does something bigger with his life. But it's a comedy. And leaving Las Vegas, which is not none of that. It's just a dude who gives up. And I, I always thought saw leaving Las Vegas as, instead of, like, shooting himself in the head quickly. It, yeah. It's just almost like he's too weak to even do that. Like, he's just too wishy-washy. So he just decides to drink himself. He's figured out how many days it'll take and how much booze it'll take and how much money to buy the booze. And he just does it. And it's really good. It's also dark and kind of like <laughs> there are moments with what's-her-face where I just... It also ah. will not make you feel good. It's not no. the feel-good movie of the year. No, but Joe and the Volcano will. It's a fun one. So if you want to watch them together, I recommend leaving Las Vegas first. <laughs> and then Philadelphia. <laughs> and, then, and then Joe and the Volcano. Because that'll perk you right up. So... Games and Ace Scully stuff this week. I've been playing this game. It's in your hand. Yeah. Um, hold on. Let me play you some of this. You might know what that is. I don't. It's in my hand, though. Yeah. It's uh, Jeff Minters, and I mentioned it last week. It also has awesome music. Hold on. Nobody else cares, except for you. Reminds me of The Prodigy. Okay, okay. So, um... It's Jeff Minter's TXK. It's uh, a new Vita game, and uh, it's available now. It's seven ninety nine if you're a PS Plus member, which is absolutely a bargain in my opinion. If you like old school arcade shooters, and it is literally going back to the arcades where you put ten p in early arcade even, and you play, and you are uh, it's difficult, and you get three lives, and you try and get a high score. It's that kind of it's game. It's a black screen with a bunch of colorful lines and circles and stuff. There's no like graphics involved, really. There's no like created graphics. The actual download is a hundred megabytes, which is insanely small for a game of any. Because it's not like images or anything. No, it's, it's just the music generated. Like, yeah. Um, what do you call them? Uh, wireframe graphics, I guess. Uh, shaded wireframe graphics, um, but. My favorite video game of all time <laughs> is Tempest 2000. It was an Atari Jaguar game. It also came out on the PC, and it came out on the PlayStation 1 eventually. Um, and it's always been my favorite game. The it was only in there? Not in the arcade? Tempest was in the arcade, but not Tempest 2000. All right. Tempest, I don't really like. That is really, really difficult. Yeah. And it's an unrefined version of the game, if you know what I mean. Jeff Minter took Tempest and made it a better game. In my okay. um, so Tempest 2000 is the game I've always been a fan of. And this is the sequel to that game. It's not a lot different to that game, to be honest. It's that game, but it's new. And it's on the Vita. Um, it looks amazing. It sounds amazing. As it just, you know, It's got some amazing music. And it ultimately, the best thing about it is it plays... Like perfectly, like I said, I said to you, I played a lot of Tempest 2000, and I'm talking a lot. Like <laughs> over the years, I pick it up at least every couple of months and play it, play it. Right, so I've played it a lot. So on the day I got it, I went on there and played it, and on my first game, I was like number 17 in the world. <laughs> now I'm about 100 in the world, but he's got like nearly 500,000 people on the leaderboards, which is 
I, I'm quite proud to be at number 100. I'm sure I'll get pushed down. But um, if you like high score, getting a high score and really addictive gameplay, you'll just keep coming back and playing it and playing it and playing it, trying to get better, trying to get better. There's lots of... There's 100 levels. I think I've got to 32 so far. It looks really hard. It is very, very difficult. It's that kind of game. But because I'm such a fan, I want to promote it and... Uh, if you've got a Vita, go and get it. I believe it will come on the PS4 eventually, because Jeff Mint is really into Sony's uh, how Sony have treated him with, while he'd made this game. So, And that would be my dream. I would love it on the PS4 also. Imagine on the big screen, it'd be kind of cool. Well, yeah. Um, and So this week, staying on the Sony tip, last night, me and you sat down and played the DLC for the popular game, The Last of Us, and it's called The Last of Us Left Behind. And it's a story. You know, it's not a multiplayer add-on. It's a more story of The Last of Us. It's like a small episode, like a chapter of the game. And um, it deals with the time in Ellie's life before she even met Joel. Ellie's the girl. Um, But Joel actually is in it too. Because it's a little bit flash... Uh, uh, Yeah. uh, that's Joel. I mean, you get to see him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it's not about Joel. No. It's about Ellie and her friend Riley. And what did you think? Because you, you actually watched the whole thing. I drew too. a picture. You did. <laughs> what is it? It's the last. It's the Last of Us inspired picture, and it is a brick and a bottle, <laughs> which are two of the main weapons in the game. It's a recurring theme for Ellie mostly. Yeah. Because she's a girl, so she doesn't have lots of guns and stuff. I love it. I mean, I like the story. I like anything that's post, um, not apocalyptic, but um, because that's a little bit severe. It's just the human world has been devastated by this virus and humans are becoming like these, we won't call them zombies, but they are infected infected with a virus that will never, or a fungus, not a virus, a fungus that will just... Spores in the air, go inside your body and then grow from the inside. Like this weird mushroomy thing, yeah. Yeah. And so that's everywhere. The world's basically, the human world is basically falling apart. Nature seems to be going on just fine without humans, you know, of which we've discussed, which is probably what would happen anyway. But it's also that the time span is longer than Ellie's life. So Ellie's only lived in a world like this, where there are military encampments everywhere. The town is called like a zone. Um, There's... Just death and destruction everywhere, and you have to learn to either be a soldier or be a... Then there's the rebel group who are trying to... Still soldiers, kind of. Right, and that's it. That's the only life she knows. However, all around, from 20 years ago, are abandoned buildings and the mall. The remnants of our lives. Yeah, the remnants of it all have just been abandoned. So everywhere you go, you see movie posters from 20 years ago and references to 20 years ago, books... Everything stopped 20 years ago when this happened. All those things that we're familiar with. So a young person growing up and keeping some, like, does the youthful spirit of a person up, you know, still come through in a life that's just surrounded by death and destruction. And you can think in real life, in, in the real human world, there are people who've grown up with war all around them their whole life. And yet probably through their life, they are young people. They have to have goofiness and they have to have some fun. And whether, no matter how serious life is, and her plight is very serious. 
Like, you walk out the door, you can just be killed, either by a soldier, by a rebel, or by infected. Like, you don't even have a choice, a chance, hardly. But the examination of a person who's having to survive and be 14 years old, or younger even in this one a little bit, yeah. I just find it really fascinating. Like, somebody can go there with it. And that's what this covers, really. It's it's more like, that's what it is. It's the how a child copes really with it and she's had enough training and education and she in knows what reality. teenage girls did like she's read that teenage girls used to go to the mall and they used to buy dresses and, and she's she like, doesn't kind of get she's it she's like really yeah like people worried about dancing are people like worried about what jeans they wore <laughs> exactly or, like the ma- the shoes match that so she has a, a comprehension of it and she's just a girl and she's seen horrible things and in this chapter, she teams up with her friend, Riley, who's a girl similar age, but maybe a little bit older. And they just have an adventure in the mall, basically. And I said to you, it's like two, it's literally just like two girls going to the mall for a day. It just so happens the mall is not been open for 20 years it's and dead. It's kind of shit. No electricity and, well, it's to some point. I just think it's really compelling. What naughty naughty dog to get the guys who made this? Um, and it never sticks and it never crashes. No. <laughs> what they do really well, first off, is I care about the characters in The Last of Us, all of them. Like, I didn't care about Riley, but I know what you're saying. But I do care about Riley because she affects Ellie. Oh, true. So, and you know, Ellie is the star of it. You don't play as Riley; you play as Ellie. And some revelations happen in it. Which are kind of touching and moving at the same time. I think it. I think The Last of Us, the actual game, not the DLC, is quite emotional journey. Like, and you feel wrung out at the end of it, like because you go through some shit. Mm-hmm. And I think in this three-hour game, three-hour DLC that we played, I think you go through some emotional shit too, in a different way though. Cause yeah, that if as long as you're keeping identifying with the fact that she's a girl. You're not a dude. No. You're not in Unreal Tournament. She's a little girl. She's a little Call girl. Call of Duty. Yeah, she's a girl. And you're controlling this girl, but you can't go through it thinking, you know, like a grown person. Because you have to keep... And they don't force you to. You don't have to solve big problems. There's no massive, you know, there's some puzzling going on. And even on. the combat in this, which is kind of different to the actual main game. Because it involves... Um, people and infected at the same time, which That's doesn't in the game. It doesn't happen as much, and in this, it, it's kind of always that. So you can use your wits to solve the problem. Like you might see a room full of like ten dudes infected and dudes, and without firing a shot, it can get solved. Mm. But you wouldn't have solved one of those problems without your wife's idea. But it, I mean, it's good that the, the, yeah. it's it, the combat felt kind of different because of that. It also felt kind of different because you're actually Ellie. Yes, you do play as Ellie in The Last of Us, but not really in this scenario. Like in, it, it's kind of towards the end of the game in the other one. But um, it splits itself. This DLC, there's two stories going on. They both take place in a mall, but they both take place at different times in Ellie's life. Um, I really, I think it, I think they're really masterful at doing Naughty Dog. Like it, everything about it, like the way it looks, those cut scenes are like some of the best cut scenes I've 
ever not really seen. cut scenes, are they? Anymore. They just kind of go with the flow. You're just not playing. Yeah, but I mean, the way they're acted and motion captured and voiced, yeah. it's all fully believable. I'm not like, oh, this is kind of shitty, which I could say sometimes with Telltale's games, you know, sometimes yeah. they're, they're a bit... Just, they're good. They're, they're just... good, but I wish they were <laughs> like that. Technically, yeah. But technically, it's an amazing thing, and this is the last DLC for The Last of Us, or the first and the last, you know, they just wanted to, like, expand the story a little bit. If you're a fan of it, it's an absolute, you have to play it, because we also, this morning, read the comic book, mm-hmm. and it's only four issues, and that is the prequel to this DLC. And I think it would be good for you to read it before you play it, because there are some things where we went, oh, okay. That Answers tends. a question. Yeah, just a couple of little things that get yeah. filled in. So, read the comic book, and then play the DLC. And it's only four issues, the comic book, and there's really not much to read. No. They're like... They're very, comic books. Yeah, pretty sparse, but they do tell... I think comic book people are very cheap with their... I realize it's a lot of drawings... Yeah, it is. And it's a lot of having to express movement and story and some sort of dynamic thing all with a series of drawings. I get it. It's not animation, so you have to tell the story through still shots. However, they don't tell much of the story. Each individual one literally took you less than five minutes to read. Or some whole panels were just pictures. And you go, oh yeah, she's running. She's afraid. She's on uh, next page. Da-da-da. She's running. Ouch. Bam. Yeah, there's not a lot of value to it. And I value the drawings. But as far as the amount of story you get, it's very limited. Now, emotions are good. They they really put they make it clear. The dialogue's good in the comic. It is. And the drawings of emotions on the faces are good. So you know what's going on. I just want... Those four should be one comic. Yeah, they should. And I don't mean like, it's oh, a- it's a quadruple size comic. I mean, that's how big a comic should be. Not this little tiny episodic thing. It's they want $10 from you rather than, I mean, yeah. $2 a piece or whatever. two two ninety five each. They want $10 from you for a series rather than... But it's so unsatisfying. How could anyone who reads comics be satisfied? And then have to wait a month. Yeah. Like when it says to be continued. And it's always you a cliffhanger. It, you read it, did it. <laughs> Done. Let me look at the pictures again. That's cool. So we, we just read them all um, digitally uh, this morning, all four in a row. And yeah, they it does fill in. And I, I like... I think it would have worked to read them before and then know a little bit because there are some things in the DLC, like that tent... Yeah, but you really, didn't need an explanation. You don't, but I think if you, it would be, you'd be like, oh, as soon as you saw it, oh. Oh, I didn't, I wasn't like that, but, because I figured there would be references. But um, it's fantastic. If you're, if you've played The Last of Us and liked it in any way, yeah. it's more The Last of Us, and it's, I like what they did with, there's not a ton of combat in it. There's a, there's a few encounters, minimal, one of them's quite difficult, mm-hmm. the one with the there is a difficult one. Uh, and if you get frustrated in any way, I don't think you would like that. But they ease you into it. You get one infected, and then yeah. you get like three. And I had to remember the control scheme all over <laughs> yeah. again. And the control scheme's fairly complicated in The Last of Us, and it took me like a while to get back into it. But once I got back into it, I was like, oh, I can deal with this. But they they step back on the combat and tell the story a lot more. Like, there's a lot of cutscenes between Riley and Ellie... And there's lots of just chilling out in the mall with that. Right? They're just having fun, and I like that they stop to do that because it makes you feel for them more. Like I, I feel yeah, they're just they're girls. They just want to have a laugh. But if there's never going to be any more, then what's the point? 
If they're never going to tag on more to the end of Joel and Ellie's story. Then... They, they, if there's a sequel, it, they will. But as far as the first game is, this is an addendum to it, or a preface to it, which worked really well. It's my, I've played a lot of DLC stuff for different games, and this is my favorite one I've ever... Because it really feels like just, oh, we're playing some more The Last of Us. It doesn't feel like some yeah. different thing. It feels like, oh, okay, we're in again. And it's not recycled stuff from the main game. It's all new areas and new objects and... You know, the bottles and the bricks might be the same. But. Yes. <laughs> so that's The Last of Us Left Behind. It's out now. It's $15 on PlayStation. If you And you have to already own the game because you have to have the disc in. So it's not a separate thing. So if you sold the game or traded it in, you'll have to go and get it again. Really? Even though you've yeah. paid for it? True. That's shitty. You just have to keep the game. Yeah, but if you haven't and you didn't know that and you just said, well, I'll get the uh, whatever comes out, that's shitty. That can't be right. They don't ever do that with, with games. DLCs are, well, very rarely is a DLC a standalone thing that you don't need the original Yeah, but you've game. already bought it. And why does it matter? If I if I play it and I haven't played the first one, who gives a shit? Why do you care if I play it? I don't know. You're going to get my $5. I believe it hooks into on. the main game. You need that too. Like It uses it in some way. Like the engine off you the disc. install files? Yeah. Something. It the way it works is it needs the original thing. So that is The Last of Us Left Behind. I've also been playing uh, the beta of Titanfall. Um, <laughs> into Let's that. just tell the story before you tell about the game. You were wanting to get into beta. Really got- wanted to. And you said to me, I don't understand why all these other people are getting in and I'm not getting in. Can you just go ahead and sign up for it too? Just go ahead and sign up Did for it. Did you get in? No, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I got in. But then you had me sign up, and then you watched it, and you're like, um, every time I get an email, I think, that could be it, that could be it. And I was thinking, oh my god, funny, really? You've funny thing is, I um, care that much? I signed up early. I'm talking months ago. And then I also signed up a couple of days ago with two different email addresses. And then I said to you, you sign up as well. And then I wasn't... I, I could see everybody started to get them. You know, these... Like, they were obviously sending out waves of emails... And I was watching and I was like, oh, that person's got it, that person's got it. Oh, now there's loads of people on Twitter saying, oh, we just got our emails. And they were showing pictures. And I was like, I didn't get any emails. And I've signed up twice. And then I asked you to sign up. And then I got my invite. And then last night at midnight, I got another invite. And you probably have an invite by now. I just felt you were valuing it a little too highly to I just wanted to try all it. of that time and energy and thought on it. I was like, oh, my God, either they're going to send you an email And the best thing about all this is... I got in, and then I downloaded it, and then the servers were down all yesterday, never enough, so I couldn't even try it. You did try. I tried one game in the afternoon, and then it wouldn't work and wouldn't work. Oh, it was just then, one game. And then today, yeah, just one game, and then today I managed to play two games. I'm going to play a little bit more before dinner time. But, it's from the people who brought you Call of Duty originally, Infinity Ward. There was some kind of weird falling out with them and Activision, and they left Activision and went to EA... Horrible EA, and formed a new studio called Respawn Entertainment. And Titanfall is their first game, so everybody's been like, oh, it's going to be like Call of Duty. And then they announced, well, no, it's a sci-fi kind of game. It's not Call of Duty, it's a... And what it is, it's a big titans, they're these big mechs, like a mech warrior, like um, the Pacific Rim, that kind of thing, like... Uh, what do you call them? Suits that people sit in that are giant and they wander around and they've got guns on them. So it's Call of Duty in space with giant mechs. 
So that's the differences between it and Call of Duty. Now, at a fundamental level, when you're the little man running around, the gunplay feels just like you're playing Call of Duty. It's got the same... When you hit somebody, the hit marker looks exactly the same. XP pops up, your bar goes up, you level up, you get better stuff. All that is in there. So it's quite obvious they're the people who made Call of Duty and they know you like all that, so all that's in there. But the differences are, you have kind of a jetpack. It's not a jetpack where you can fly. It's a jetpack that makes you able to jump higher. So you can jump higher and you can also run along walls. So it's got like a parkour system built in. So you're very, very mobile. You're not a soldier on the ground who can just run, lie down. You can run up a wall, you can jump on a roof, you can double jump up onto the top of a mech, and you can grab hold of a mech from behind and start stabbing it. So the mechs are the bad guys? Yeah, or you have mechs, they have mechs, but you can get on an enemy mech and take it over. You can jump on it wrestle with it, pull the pilot out, and you get in their mech. There's a lot of agility. So, you know, you can double jump. You can run straight up a wall. So it feels a lot different to Call of Duty in that respect because you can't do any of that because Call of Duty is a realistic military shooter. Kind of. Um, What I like about it a lot, and I dislike some things too, but what I like is the actual mech combat when you're in the mech. It feels really like you're in a big thing. It feels really big. You feel very high up because the buildings are all, you know, eye level. And you feel like you could just destroy everything, but you can't. It's not that powerful. Um, And the other thing I really like about it is when you're a man, a soldier, the agility of being able to just, like, run up a wall and dive through a window, it adds a whole new kind of element. It's, It's... Not to mention your character is wacky. No, that's, that was a different game I was That was playing. Titanfall? No. Ah. Titanfall's very serious, kind of oh, sci-fi okay, I never game. saw much of that one then. Um, no, because I only played one game yesterday. Um, so, and what I dislike about the game, and the, it's probably because of the, be- the beta, it's not the full game. You get two maps, and the maps are quite small for what I think the game is. Like... Like, you're in big mechs that can run across the landscape and, you know, go really fast. Yet, you feel like you're in a small corridors. Like, it doesn't feel, like, big enough. I want, like, a huge landscape that you can run across, you know, as these mechs. Now, that might be the case in the full game. They might have just give you some small maps because they're testing the um, engine. And we'll see. But I feel there's one map in particular. There's one inside the city... It just feels really small. It feels cool when you're on foot, but when you're in a mech, it feels like there's nowhere to go. You can go down that street, and there's another street, and that's the end of the map. Like, you bump into the end of the world, and the end of the world is, there's water, so you can't go there. So it feels very, like, oh, so I can shoot down there, or shoot down there, there's nowhere else to go. Like, because your mechs can't actually hover or anything, they're just on the road, so... I don't know, it just feels a bit small and claustrophobic. I really like it, though. I think it's really fun to play. Um... I'd have to see the full game. Because it's only a multiplayer game, and not a, there's no story, it's just a multiplayer game, I think it needs to have a lot of maps, otherwise you'll get bored of it pretty quick. If it's only got, like, six maps, for instance, or eight maps to yeah, play. Yeah, but most people get... They want to get... They don't even play the single player of a lot of games. They just get over that and only play online. They do, and then the online of Call of Duty comes with 12 different maps... I feel that this should have 20 maps because 
you're literally paying for this multiplayer thing, and that is what you're getting, just this multiplayer game. It should have, I think, 20 maps would be fair, because you're paying $60 for a game. And normally you would buy Call of Duty and get 12 maps and a full campaign, like a story mode, which feels like a big package, you know? If you're only getting six to eight maps and they're going to, like, DLC all the other maps, I don't think that's fair, like, for $60. And this is a new thing. Nobody's really made a multiplayer game that's just a multiplayer game. So, and the best thing is, when everybody interviews Respawn Entertainment and says, oh, how many maps is this going to have? Oh, we're not talking about that right now. There's a lot of that going on, which I believe is there's not that many maps. And we don't want to say, because then you might not buy it. So, of course, yeah. Yeah, it's a bit shystery. And there's a lot... Uh, Jeff Gerstmann from Giant Bomb had interviewed them, and I was watching the interview, and almost every question where I was like, oh, that's a good question, they said, we're not talking about that right now. kind of bugs me, that, because... Yeah. What are you hiding? Because <laughs> like, they, they said, originally, there is, a, there is a story in the game. It's just not traditionally a story. It's your multiplayer matches kind of tell the story. Now, that could mean anything. And when he asked them about it, they said, we're not talking about that. So it could mean we haven't actually done that. <laughs> so we're not telling you that, though, because it sounds good to, for you to believe that that's what we said. It kind of bugs me, that stuff, when they won't talk about it. But the game's really good quality. I'm playing the PC version. It's also out on Xbox One. Um, and you can play the beta right now. Just go to ea.com, Titanfall. Or maybe you can't. Yeah, no, you can't. I've seen some of the keys being sold on eBay for $30 for people who haven't got the keys, which is crazy. But uh, there's a way to get a key if you want one. There's lots of websites giving keys away. I'm sure you can get one. I think the beta goes on until Wednesday, and then the game is out next month. So you only have a little bit of time to uh, get in on that. So that's Titanfall. So Sid Talk, what's yes. for dinner? Tonight will be leftover pizza. Some pea soup, pureed pea soup. Uh, what else I put on there? Fries, I grab some fries and a chocolate pie, which I got for Valentine's Day. We haven't discussed Valentine's Day, but that was yesterday, and uh, it's really, really delicious. Ooh, what? We um spent Valentine's Day. Your mum gave us some money to go out for Valentine's Day, but we thought, oh, how crazy will it be out? Let's get some food. nice food. Um, <laughs> let's play The Last of Us. Correct. Because it was like a Valentine's Day. So we got a high V pizza. Yeah. <laughs> and some uh, courgettes, as you call them, or zucchini. Yep. Chopped them up, put them in the skillet, mushrooms and onion, mushrooms and peppers, and then we had the veggie soup and the veggie pizza. It was amazing, and now we're having leftovers. And, and we the has, chocolate and pie. And we spent Valentine's Day evening at the end of the world. Oh, <laughs> the the mess. Human's end of their world. Yeah. That's what I think it's funny. I mean, I've realized at my age, when people say end of the world, end of the world now to me means the end of the earth. It's going to explode or be destroyed and there will be no more earth. That's the end of the world. End of the world doesn't mean that humans just fall apart and we all die off because the world will be fine. Oh, of course. Yeah. So the <laughs> unless, end of humanity. Unless ever, yes, the end of humanity. So that's what they uh, enjoyed on so our Valentine's Day. Before we leave, have you any advice? Uh, my advice is quite long today. Let me just get my glasses on here. Oh. Think about it. We talked about this earlier today. And the idea was, think about why. If you go get your hair cut, you say, I want Jennifer Lawrence's hair. Or I want Meryl Streep's hair. Now, are you saying because you think that would look good on you? 
or because you identify with this like famous rich person who everybody admires and at work the next day people are going to go oh you got the Jennifer Lawrence like it has nothing to do with you but you want to capitalize on someone else's image or do you just want that hairdo because it fits your face and blah 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 just think about it like why do you give a shit about famous people? Like, if you're talking to somebody and they go, Oh, I met Bono. He was awesome. Blah, blah, blah. And you're, like, all drooling and shit. Like, oh, you met a famous person. Why do you give a shit? Why does anybody care about a famous person? Unless that famous person has done something amazing in the world. Actually, I've met some famous people and I'll never forget meeting them. Right, but why do you care? I don't, I don't know. I met Oasis. But you met, met don't the, drop, don't tell it. No, I'm saying, I that's met, that's my point. I met them and I met the Spice Girls. But this is my point. But, but when yeah, you say that, people then say in their mind, oh, he met the Spice Girls. Like, who gives a shit? No, I'm saying that I don't really give a shit, but I'll still always you remember You do it. enough to say it. No. Otherwise, you wouldn't even recall it or tell anybody That's what ever. I'm saying, I remember it because I guess it's not something you do every day, I guess. Yeah, but why does it matter? Like, what is it about that? There's nothing... That, it's not like their their fame and fortune rubs off on you and all of a sudden you're like, I magically have everything they have. It's like this trick of your mind. Like, they're valuable in some way, and they're not. Unless a person that, has done not, something that's amazing. That's not what I thought at all. No, I'm saying... But you do at the time. You're like, oh, famous person. You might act cool on the outside, but on the inside you're like, oh, that's Devin Beckham. Oh, that's a special person. I actually know that guy too. Yes, I know. You've told me. And I just think... If you want to attach yourself to someone else's lifestyle and you see them on E! Entertainment, you see them in movies and shit, and you want their coolness to kind of, like, be your fantasy, well, just be cool yourself. Like, make your own fucking hairdo. Make your own clothes, fashions. Mix and match things in your own life that don't emulate a famous person. Or be, like, following a trend of a famous person or anything like that. Just think about why... Certain things. It's not everything, obviously. It's just, like, your appearance, your fashion, maybe, your hair. And there are people like you who earlier today was arguing, yeah, but that's just how it works. Well, that's just... <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like, I don't get it. It's like, you aren't you. You won't have an identity then. You just want to be Jennifer Lawrence, and you're not. I really do want to be Jennifer You're some Lawrence. schmucko who lives an ordinary life just like her. She just happens to be an actress, and she's into movies, and people know who she is. It means nothing in the world other than you, like, uh, uh, uh. so just, I just think, you know, if you're going through a book and you go, oh, I want that hair, even though you know damn good and well that hair is not going to make you turn into Jennifer Lopez. It's not, but you, your mind is like this fantasy of, oh, yeah, I'll get that hair and I'll wear those pants and I'll get those shoes and I'll be just like those people. And those people don't mean anything in the world other than their and more people know who they are. Entertainers. Entertainers are fantastic. We cannot live life without entertainment. I understand this fully. But we elevate them to the point of wanting to take on part of their identity, which erases you. Like, you no longer exist. And if that's your objective, because you think you're a piece of shit and nobody's going to like you unless you have that hairdo, then you need to come and talk to me. <laughs> I will boost up your self-esteem by telling you, yeah, you're a piece of shit, but that's just the way life is. <laughs> We're all a piece of shit. Just don't dress up a turd with Jennifer Lawrence's hair just because you think that's going to make everybody ignore the fact that you're a turd. Okay, so <laughs> take that advice. I want to remind you about our websites. AceGully.com, You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. 
You can catch this podcast on the iTunes Music Store, the Zoom Marketplace, or just go to acecoolie.com, click on the word podcast, or go to Stitcher. We're also on there. You can email feedback to me at acecoolie at acecoolie.com. Don't email Sid Talk, because she don't care. Are you going to tell Jeff Minter to listen to this because you talked about him? No. <laughs> and Speaking of Google eyes over a famous person. He's not a famous person. He is to you. Only to me. <laughs> Buy his game, though, please. And stay classy, Mr. Matthew McConaughey. Because you are is he classy? late model Matthew McConaughey. I'm really digging. <laughs> this means classy. <laughs> I'm going to say think for yourself. Is this not a theme that runs through my life? Think for yourself or someone is doing it for you and using you as a puppet. 